What's up, Overcomers? It's an amazing day to be alive. I'm so thankful that you're here. I'm so thankful that you're listening. If nobody's told you yet today, or if you haven't told yourself yet today, you are doing better than you think you are. I just read an article in Psychology Today that said, on average, strangers think that you are 20% better looking than what you see in the mirror. So I'm here to tell you that you are one sexy badass motherfucker and have an amazing day. If you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button. But even more so, if you could please, please write me a review, give me a rating, especially in iTunes, follow on Spotify. It's a massive help. It boosts us in that algorithm so more people can listen to the podcast and help them overcome life's biggest challenges. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Pure Spectrum CBD. You know, one of the cool things I was talking to my wife the other day is that I'm starting to get to a level with the podcast where I'm getting a lot of offers for people to sponsor the podcast. And some of them, you're like, yes, that's great. Let's go ahead and do it. You set up the contract. But whether we continue this contract with Pure Spectrum CBD or not, I am a Patreon. I am a customer for life. I use these two products. I use two products on their black label line. I use the oil and then I use the topical. I use the 2,500 milligram oil, a few drops underneath the tongue. I can tell you, I did an experiment these last two nights. Last night, I took them, slept like a baby, slept amazing. And then the night before, I didn't. I was tossing and turning, tossing and turning. I'm not saying that's the only reason, but that's the little experiment that I had. And then the other day, I just went to a Muay Thai training and got home and my lower back was killing me. I used this topical, Pure Spectrum, the black label, the 1,000 milligram topical put on my lower back. And I have not had an ache and pain since. These are just my experiences. I'm sure the company probably says in the legal somewhere that um, my lawyer probably tell me, make sure you say that. These are just my experiences. They're not anything that the company said. This is just what I use. And like I said, I'm such a fan of this company. I've gotten to know some of the people at the corporate office. And I love the product. I love the people. And so if you visit PureSpectrumCBD.com and use my promo code OCY, you're not going to save 10%. You're going to save 20% on your whole entire order for the month of October. That's PureSpectrumCBD.com. Use promo code OCY. Save it to 20% on your order. My guest today is best-selling author, keynote speaker, master coach, life coach, podcast host of Over and On With It, Christine Hassler. Christine Hassler has an amazing ability to get right to the root of the issue, right to the point in your life of what's holding you back. What's the true reason why you continue to self-sabotage? What's the true reason why you can't overcome? And you'll hear in this episode, she does it so beautifully with me, and she's so talented, but she's not talented in it's just skill. It's just she's talented in the love in her heart because she'll she walks me through kind of this path and she got me to look at some things in my life that I haven't really addressed or that I didn't really think about in that way. And you know, one of the things with being a podcast host is actually I think everybody has kind of a built-in bullshit meter, but definitely being a podcast host and now talking to hundreds of people. I can tell you, I've talked to people and I can just smell the bullshit a mile away. But after we wrapped, we had kind of an off-air conversation. And I can tell you, she's the real deal. And she is as real as it comes. And she has just a heart for service. And she truly just wants to make a difference. And she's extremely skilled at it. And so listen to this conversation, listen to this podcast. And I think you're going to get a lot out of it. So please welcome Christine Hassler. Christine Hessler, thank you so much for coming on the Overcoming You podcast. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy. Oh, never too busy to talk about mental health. Yes. <laughs> so like we were talking about before, um, I don't want to dive into your story because it's been around for a while, but... Um, I know, I'm so old. <laughs> <laughs> 
just like, uh, you know, you have an amazing podcast and we get recommended people all the time. And a lot of times it's like, yeah, 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 I get it. I get it. But when somebody that you really value recommends somebody and they keep saying, Hey, you got it. You got to listen to her. You got to listen to her. Then finally go, okay, let me listen to her. And one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on is because we connect in a way in our earlier lives, which is this, I get this feeling of constantly striving for the next thing, for the next promotion, for the next uh, comma in the salary (laughs) and kind of trying to fill that void. And without going too far into your story, I feel like that's a massive thing going on in today's world, just in different areas. You know, for, I know for me and a lot of my men friends, it's our self-worth connected to our net worth. Yeah. A lot of my gal friends, it seems like comparison nonstop on social and all this type of stuff and jostling. And so I just want to kind of see since you helped so many people and your life coach and helped everybody Mm -hmm. in between and been on everyone's podcast, kind of (laughs) what do you what do you see in today's kind of mental health or what do you kind of see in today's society and Yeah. Well to be direct and succinct, I see a lot of wounded inner children. And adult bodies running around the world trying to get their needs met that they didn't get as children through relationships or sex or money or a certain body or a certain number of followers, so on and so forth. And that's predominantly why we do the things we do until we do a lot of our own healing and heal the inner child and give ourselves what we're seeking externally. Anything we're looking for externally to fulfill some void, as you said, we can only fill internally. So sounds like similar to you. I chased a career in Hollywood. I was the youngest ever female agent that I know of. I was promoted to an agent when I was 25, which is pretty young. Moved out there when I was 20. And it wasn't because I loved being an agent. And it wasn't because, oh my gosh, working in Hollywood is my passion. It's how I want to impact the world. It was because I was desperately insecure. I was teased a lot growing up. I never felt like I fit in. I never felt like I belonged. And the Hollywood was sort of the adult version of the popular crowd. So it was trying to fill that void of not feeling enough, not feeling like I belonged. And it didn't matter. You know, I got promoted and I thought, okay, well then, then I'll feel confident. Then my depression, which P.S. I was diagnosed with depression at 11 and put on antidepressants, I was on them for 20 years, so I know mental health pretty well. <laughs> um, and and I thought, okay, well, well, this will this will fix me or this will make me happy. And I reached that goal, and this maybe I'd have a moment of relief, sort of like an addiction. You have a moment of relief, but then the pain comes back, and you just have to keep upping the ante. So whether it's workaholism, alcoholism, pornography, whatever it is, the reason why we have these addictions and this this constant striving is because we have an unmet need. We try to meet that need externally, which never works. We're happy for a second, a relief from a, for a second, the band aid. But then the urge and the need become stronger, so we just have to up the ante and up the ante and up the ante. So enough is never enough. Yeah. Um, and. From my point of view, the only way to shift that, you know, and this is where, because I'm a coach, but I also have a psychology background. So a master's degree in spiritual psychology, another in consciousness, health and healing. And in so many ways, my work is a combination, even 
no, I'm not a licensed therapist, so I don't want to say it's therapy, but it's similar to that. It's using a lot of, it's very psychology informed. And it's also life coaching. So I love changing beliefs and the law of attraction and all of those, Dr. Joe Dispenza, love all that stuff. But I have found that, that that needs to marry the psychology, that before we can get to the creating and manifesting, we really need to tend to the wounds that for most of us got pushed under the rug or ignored when we were children. Yeah. That's one of the other cool things about having a podcast is that you're able to give kind of free advice from somebody. <laughs> so I'm going to utilize you to, I'm going to use me as the, the bad experiment or the bad um no, let's not call you bad. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. So I, similar to you, like we all, all already touched upon, I kept wanting to up the ante and up the ante and moved all my way up through corporate ladder. And then I got to this real nice job. And then I went, that's not enough. I have to go buy, I go put all this money. Since I'm putting all this money to EBITDA, this $8 billion company, I have to go buy this $10 million corporation on my own and kind of yeah. kept going, keep going. And then after a massive, depression that told like you have told that story many times i realize now that you know i grew up here in newport beach california so there's mm. millionaires every which way you can throw a rock and i wanted the ten thousand square foot home in newport coast next to kobe bryant with the ferrari but if i'm being really freaking honest i just wanted that so everybody would see that i have that right and if i'm right. being honest i would way rather have this podcast reach 10 million people a month and help people like really freaking help them and me make 50 grand a year for the rest yeah. of my life. Yeah. But I can't get out of the fact that I still want to, I still want to flex, I still want to be perceived as successful. And I can't figure out how to stop that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, well, see? welcome. Welcome to being human. <laughs> first of all. <laughs> so there's, it's, you know, I think as human beings, we're so disconnected from what it means to be alive. Yeah. Our modern day society of social media, technology, convenience, um, being able to compare ourselves, living in a very materialistic, capitalistic society, we've really lost sight with what it means to be, lost touch with what it means to be a human being. You know, because really what we're here to do is to experience love to experience consciousness, to experience connection, to experience miracles and magic and all of those things, and, and also to experience feeling one with others and one with the earth. But we, as children, we know that and we're connected to that, but we start to forget as soon as we start to be conditioned by modern day society and raised by parents who also are adults with wounded children. Yeah. So most of our parents, especially, you know, it looks like you and I are around the same age, of our parents' generation, they weren't doing a lot of personal development. They were just trying to create a better life than their parents did, you know, coming out of the depression and everything like that. And so it was very focused on money and success and what you can achieve. And, and it wasn't just the last generation that's lost touch, touch with what it really means to be human and what it really means to be alive. I mean, this has been going on for thousands and thousands of years. So we all buy into at some point that limited belief, that misunderstanding that my worth as a human being is defined by what I can accomplish. And in order for me to feel valued, I need to be seen by others in a certain way. And we all, there's all different ways that it implements. So for you, if I were in your shoes or if I was coaching you, I'd think about things like, did you ever feel 
feel like your father was really, really proud of you? Did you <laughs> feel like you only got what? <laughs> no. Yeah. One yeah. time, one time. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that was the first question I asked because that's what I was feeling. Right. And so, so important, especially for men, for women too, especially for men to feel like their dad, that male figure was really proud of them and not just for their accomplishments, but just proud that you're my son and just you being my son makes me proud of you. And most fathers can give this to their sons because they're not proud of themselves. You know, they have their own demons that they haven't dealt with, their own insecurity. But it is very, very natural for a man to seek his father's approval. I mean, it starts as a little boy and then it, it moves from father to the world, right? Because it's like, well, I'm not getting it from dad, so let me see who else I can, can really get it from. And it's a common theme I see a, among successful people, especially successful men, is that part of what the driver is, is there's a little boy in there that's like, well, maybe if I do this, then dad will be proud. Maybe if I do this, then he'll finally see me. Because that's what it's about. It's about wanting to be seen. So this isn't something to be ashamed of. This is, this is a need that you have. Like yeah. it's a legitimate need. And I think the word need sort of gets poo-pooed on. Because we're like, oh, no, we're autonomous beings. We're not supposed to need anything except food and water. And, you know, the, the intermittent fasting people would even say we don't even need food. Yeah. But I disagree. We, we are humans with emotions and with a heart. We're more than just a body. And we need to feel seen. We need to feel heard. We need to feel validated. Is this making sense? Yeah, for sure. And I think what I'm hearing, or at least what I'm feeling, is that how do we go from being seen and heard and validated by ourselves first? Yeah. Because if we can do that first, then I think the outside validation, although nice and, and feels good, isn't going to be, I'm not going to cling on to that so much, but I don't know how to, I, I don't know how to be there consistently throughout the day. Yeah. I don't know how do I end up being I always say at the end of every podcast and at the end of every social media post, remember to be kind to yourself. Right. Well, it's the first time I've said it on hundred something episodes. I'm saying that to my fucking self. Right, right. I'm so mean to myself. So how do we, in your opinion, you know, how do we figure out how to really give that to ourselves, but really feel it and mean it? Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I know exactly what you mean because I've been there. Yeah. It's nothing we can figure out. It's not like assembling an Ikea dresser or an algebra problem. It's not something we can figure out with our rational, logical mind. And it's really important for anyone in the mental health, personal growth world to not apply a critical lens to our own personal development. Because the first stage of personal development is awareness. And it's amazing when we first get this awareness because we're connecting dots. It's like, oh, no wonder I'm chasing these external things. My dad was never proud of me. If only the epiphany was enough to change it. And then we use the awareness to beat ourselves up because it's like, I know all this and I'm still not changing. So then the inner critic comes into our own personal development and personal growth. So let me ask you this. Do you speak another language? Spanish, but not very well. Not very well. Okay, so let's use Japanese. So if you read one, let's say three books on how to speak Japanese, would you be fluent after that? Ichi ni san shigo, that's all I've got. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, right? It takes a while to learn a language because we're so used to doing it another way. We're so used to thinking and speaking in a certain language. How we were parented is a language. 
Mm-hmm. And how we were parented, the things that were told to us, the experiences we had, it became the language in which we talk to ourselves and which we relate to the world. And so in order to learn a different language and become fluent in a different language, that takes time. And the new language that we need to become fluent in to be able to change these things is the language of our own inner parent to our own inner child within us. Because just saying, I should really change this, I should really be kind, I should really give myself that validation, isn't enough. It's going back, and this is why I teach inner child workshops. My husband and I teach inner child workshops together because in our work combined between the two of us, we have 30 plus years of working with people and it always comes back to childhood, like always. Any problem that someone's having in their current life, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say always, but 99.9% of the time, it comes back to something that happened in childhood. And I want to emphasize this doesn't mean that we have to spend years in therapy. In fact, if you've spent years in therapy and you've made no progress, it may be time for a new modality, new therapist, so on and so forth. Because really it's about going back to that little one inside and being with them and whatever emotions are triggered. So let's use you as an example. So what's the, what's the feeling that comes up for you when you feel not enough, when you feel like you need to do more? I feel I feel like I have to overcompensate or I have to run and hide and be by myself. And get okay. So, so ride that feeling back in time. And can you remember a time when you felt like that in childhood? Um, every single day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so when you think of you as a little boy, like if you just close your eyes for a moment and think of you as, I'll close mine too. If you think of you as a little boy, what age do you see roughly? Seven or eight. Seven, eight. Okay. And so imagine that seven or eight year old little boy and just be him for a second because he's still in you. So you're seven or eight years old and you can speak in present tense and you're having this feeling of like not feeling enough and you just want to run and hide. What else would that seven or eight year old want to say about how he's feeling? Why do you treat me like this? Yeah. What else? I don't deserve that. Yep. And I feel. I feel less than and like you don't care about me. You don't care. Do you feel sad? Very. Do you feel lonely? Very. Do you feel ashamed? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So just be with that. Those are all very very real feelings that that seven or eight year old still feels inside of you. And now I want you to switch to big you. Just keep your eyes closed and without reassuring or explaining. Cause when we work with the inner child, the inner child doesn't want to hear, don't worry in 20 years, you're going to be married. You're going to live in a nice house. It's all going to work out. Your dad had just a shitty dad and he's just taking it out on you to an upset, a shame, sad child. That is not comforting. So from that adult, you, I want you to be the father to yourself that you never had. What would you want to say to that seven or eight-year-old? Oh, boy. I was wrong in the way I treated you. Mm-hmm. I love you more than you possibly ever could imagine. There's nothing that you could ever do that would make me disappointed of you. You are perfect just the way you are. 
you're better looking than you think you are. You're smarter mm-hmm. than you think you are. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm here with your sadness. I know you're sad and I know you feel ashamed and it's okay to feel that way. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, obviously that was just a snippet. If I was working with you, I'd take you much deeper in that. But what was that like for you? Um, Eye-opening. I never never thought about that. You said it there passingly. I always just, I just had a shitty dad. Just didn't give a a fuck about me. He was Mm -hmm. mean, verbally, physically, all that stuff. Yep. And see in that we're when we do that, when we're kind of mentally bypassing, we are re-perpetuating the wound because as a child, you felt dismissed, you felt disregarded, you felt not heard, not seen. And when you say, well, whatever, he just had a shitty life. So he was shitty and made me a stronger person. I mean, when people say that it made me a stronger person, I'm like, no, it made you a more self-protective person. So you have walls around your heart and the things that you really want to come in can't get in because it's like Fort Knox around you. But if you want to say that's made you a stronger person, okay. But really it's honoring that experience. And this is where I think a lot of people get stuck is because one, they feel bad for talking about or thinking about their parents. Two, they don't want to go back to the pain of it. And three, they just want to mentally be able to push through it. But when we do that, we're just, again, ignoring that inner child. So going back to your question about how do we shift this, it's a very slow, and I don't mean years, but I mean we slow down, we connect with those younger parts of us. Having pictures of ourselves is really a good idea. Like I have pictures of me from infancy all the way up to my young adulthood, And depending on like what I'm triggered with or what wound is up, and I've done a lot of inner child healing, so I don't get triggered as much anymore as I used to. And I don't have the same drivers as I used to because my drivers are now coming from my future vision and not my past wounds. And that's a distinction we all make at some point in our life when we're not creating both our career and the relationships we're attracting from our past wounds, but we're really in touch with our future vision and that's where we're creating from. But when I'm working with the inner child, I'll have all kinds of pictures. And when I'm working with a specific age, I'll just look at that picture and connect. And because f- we, we, have, we have the memories. And this is another question I get. A lot of people say, well, I don't remember my childhood. And that's very common because most of our childhoods were traumatic. And yeah. P.S., you don't have to have been abused to have a traumatic childhood. You could have been criticized. You could have had a parent that was mentally absent. Your parents could have been fighting a lot. You could have moved a lot. So please don't compare your trauma to other people's trauma. Trauma is trauma, you know, and, and it, whatever level it impacts us on, it impacts us on. We don't need to compare it to someone else's. But when we don't go, when we don't honor that, then it just continues to show up in our life in various ways. And so it's going back to that little one honoring the feelings, allowing the feelings to come up because that's the thing in childhood we didn't get. Most of us didn't get a healthy encouragement of the expression of feelings. We got either dismissed, shut up, don't cry, be a big boy, be a good girl. We got in trouble or beaten or we got oversoothed. That's another thing that can happen that people don't realize is that they're like, my parents were super loving. I'm like, but were they too loving? (laughs) Were they so uncomfortable with your discomfort 
that they over-soothe you so you don't know how to manage your own emotions. Uh, I'm worried about that today and today's parenting that I see, at least from her, yes. being overly cuddled or coddled. Yes, yeah. me too. You know, one of the best things I've learned about being with my own inner child that I hope to, if I become a parent, hope to do with my own child is when they're upset or let's say sad or mad, I really see you're sad and that's okay. And I'm right here and you can be sad. And it's just holding space for that sadness. And just like when you were connecting with your little, little guy, again, moving away from the reassurance and just getting to, I see you're sad. It's okay to be sad. I'm here. Cause you had to hold all that inside. You know, you couldn't express that or if you did express it, it was alone, you know? And one of the things that why therapy and coaching and, and being the presence of a facilitator is so helpful is we release emotion and we're seen, we're witnessed. Someone is holding space for it. And so it isn't like this thing that we're just hiding in secrecy and shame, but when we can express emotion in front of another and they can hold space for us, then that's part of how that emotion starts to release. But we can do that for ourselves too. Like the inner child can feel the emotion and the big us, the adult part of us can be there and hold space for it. What's up, Overcomers? I want to give a quick shout out to one of our sponsors, Pure Spectrum CBD. They have a whole slew of products. My wife uses some. I use a whole bunch. But I want to talk about just one product. I use one of these products, the Black Label Under the Tongue Drops, the 2,500 milligram ones. And I cannot tell you the effects, the positive effects that this has had, the increase in my sleep, the overall mental health well-being, the reduction in depression, reduction in anxiety. I have never utilized a product and seen this types of positive effects. I want to make this very perfectly clear. This is in conjunction with a whole slew of other positive mental things I'm doing, eating right, working out, staying connected, not isolating, all those things. But I've never used one product and noticed a positive increase so quickly a few drops under the tongue i sleep better like i said my overall mental health i can tell i'm in a better mood my depression is lowered my anxiety is lowered pure spectrum cbd is by far the gold standard by which cbd companies and flat out just companies i've gotten to know some of these people at the corporate office and they are they are just salt of the earth type of people visit pure spectrum cbd and use promo code OCY. That's purespectrumcbd.com. Use promo code OCY and save 10% on your order. Now, back to the episode. How can we do that um, as, as grown-ups? So I have the most amazing wife that is slumming it beyond belief with me. Hmm. But how can we, how can we set that up? And today, whether it be with a spouse, whether it be with a significant other, whether it be with a friend, how can we set that up? Because there's going to be some emotions coming out of that. And I think if we, if we set the set and setting first yeah, and say, hey, I want to kind of work through this, how can you set that up? Or how would you recommend I set that up with, with my wife or, yeah. or kind of go from there? Does that make yeah. sense? That make sense? Yes. So first thing, it's amazing that you complicate your your wife, but you don't have to degrade yourself in the process. So in the future, when you talk about your amazing wife, talk about how amazing she is without throwing yourself under the bus. Not necessary. Really own who you are. Because again, that's, that's a little clue for me when I heard you say that. I'm like, oh, okay, this is how this shows up for him. Like the, the, 
not seeing himself, right? And having to basically degrade himself in a comment because that's that's that part of you that just is like feels not enough. And mm-hmm. I so get that. I, I can so relate to that one. That was such a big one for me. So just your own work is really owning who you are and celebrating who you are and validating who you are and being really proud of who you are. How do not you because Huh? (laughs) Well, it's not by being proud of who you're married to or what accomplishments you've had. It's really, again, like, do you have children? No. Do you have a pet? No. Have you ever been around a child? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all of, so I have a lot of godchildren and a lot of nephews. Perfect. So have you ever been around a child and, and you just, your heart just bursts for them? They've done nothing, but just because of who they are and they're sweet and their innocence. You just feel this love and this compassion and this this pride. So it's not a how that comes from the head. It's very much tapping into feelings. So it's, it's again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it's, it's that finding that inner parent within ourselves, connecting with those hurt places inside and giving ourselves what we need. So it's not just thinking it, but it's feeling it. So I would suggest, especially in the pride thing, Every morning or evening, whatever, do a meditation and think about bring the feeling of pride into your body. So you can think of someone else you're proud of. You can think of an accomplishment. You can think of your wife. You can think of an external thing to start just to generate the feeling. And then as much as you can, bring that feeling inward so it's not attached to any one thing and just feel the feeling and feel the feeling and feel the feeling and picture that little boy, like really picture him, do it with your eyes closed or have a picture of him in front of you and just like feel that pride coming into your body. Because again, this isn't a how-to that it's like step one, do this. Step two, say this mantra. This is giving ourselves the feelings that we are so looking for on the outside. That is the really the only way to shift it. And even if we look at, for example, are you familiar with Dr. Joe Dispenza? Do you know his work? Yeah. Yeah, very much. So I love him and I'm so glad I found his work after I had done a lot of the inner child stuff because I have found that sometimes when people jump into his work, there's so much inner child wounding and so much past trauma that they can't get beyond that to really get into the higher vibrational feeling. So I think it's useful to clean some of the past out and then really start to, to, to elevate using the quantum yeah. field and everything that he teaches. One of his main principles is that we can't change anything through thought. It's, it's worthless. We really change things through feeling. It is the feeling level that creates energy. Just the thought is not enough. It's the, it's the vibration. It's the feeling of the thought. that puts the pulse out. So it's, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I want to interrupt you there because I want to know, because what's going to happen or what has happened for me in the past, and I want to see what you would recommend, is that when those feelings start to arise, especially those feelings, um, I'm very into meditation. Mm -hmm. I need to get more into connecting the thought process with the feeling. And that's right. actually, it's interesting that the universe kind of put those words through you because that's exactly what I've been trying to do recently, like very yeah. recently. But here's what happens. And I think the listeners need to know this too, is that once you start to feel those feelings, then what happens or what's happened for me is that this feeling comes up and goes, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. what are you talking about, dude? Shut the yeah. fuck up, sit back down. You're not, you're not that. What are you doing? What are you being proud of yourself for? 
You know, yeah. you build at this, you build at that, and you start yeah. to have that. And then it's like, then I'll be honest, then I just go, ah, screw it. Let me just start my day. Yeah. You know? And so yeah. since I know that there's going to be a feeling, and since the people listening know that when they start to do this, this is going to feel fake, what do they do in that moment? And what should they do after? How do they push through that to really finally feel it consistently? So it, it won't feel fake if you connect to the inner child. I, I promise it, it won't. So like if you really think of that seven-year-old and when that inner critic voice comes in, that's who you're being mean to. Like, would you ever talk that way to a child? No, no. And it didn't feel fake when we were doing that there. I exactly. Didn't. Exactly. Because okay. you were connecting to the inner child. You were connecting to that part of you that's needy. You were connecting to that part of you that needs your pride. Yes. And your encouragement. So if that inner critic comes in, that basically means you're not connecting to the part of you that really needs the pride. So if we connect to that part of us that, that needs it, like, so for me, let me think of something that's really hard for me. So um, definitely anxiety. Anxiety has been something that has like been a part of my life. When I was a kid, my nickname was Worry Wart. <laughs> since I was like five years old, right? And, and really, I know now what it comes from is I was an incredibly empathic, highly sensitive child. And my parents, you were great parents in so many ways, but didn't know how to parent a highly intuitive, empathic, basically psychic child in a modern day world and neither did doctors. So what was really happening is I was being, I was, it was, I was being overstimulated, but that got translated as depression and anxiety. So then I just believed I'm an anxious person and that's how I would, I didn't feel safe in the world. Right. So when I feel that it's like, when I feel that feeling of anxiety and people are like, well, just calm down. It's okay. Take a deep breath. I want to punch him in the face. Cause I'm like, right in the throat. (laughs) Don't you think Uh, if I could calm down? I would. Don't you think I haven't thought of that? I'm like, oh, right. geez, genius. <laughs> such a great idea. Yeah. But what I've had to learn is just like with the inner critic, when the anxiety comes up, I instead of fighting it, I welcome it. I'm like, oh, high anxiety. There you are. Because the thing is, you can observe that critical voice. And anything we can observe is not us, mm-hmm. right? And so we got to start creating separation with all these little parts because the reason why we get lost in we give up is because we think it's us and we forget that we have dominion over this part. So like for me, when the anxiety comes up, it's like, oh, hi, anxiety. There you are. I know you're here to protect me. All right. What do you need? And usually it's that little girl who feels overstimulated, who feels like no one understands her and who feels like she doesn't know what to do to make sure everything is okay, including her. So I'm like, then I connect to little Christine. Okay, little Christine, like, what, what are you scared of? What do you need? I'm here. And I don't tell her, calm down. It's all okay. It's more, what do you need? I'm here. Because again, we don't want to skip to that reassurance. That's the impatient adult in us that yeah. wants to just stop the uncomfortable feeling. And all that does is make the inner child feel more ignored. So like for you, when the inner critic comes up, that's basically your dad's voice. So there you have this little guy inside of you who's like, oh, he's finally paying me some attention. He's finally going to be proud of me. And then this voice comes in and like, you're a piece of shit, basically. And that's dad's voice. You immediately feel rejected and you just want to go work because then at least you're distracted and you don't have to deal with any of this shit. So 
sorry, I'm saying shit so much. Just is coming out today. Um, Cause that's what, that's the best word to sum up a lot of our past. It's just shit. <laughs> For sure. I have a lot of shit. Yeah. So when that inner critic voice comes up, just recognize it. Hi, inner critic voice that I learned from my dad. I hear you. I know you're trying to protect me. I want to talk to my little guy and ask him what he needs. So you just, you work with it. And this is, again, I think we, even in personal development, we want a quick fix. And there are so many courses and programs and whatever that tell you, if you just do this, then your whole life will be solved. And like, again, you don't lose, learn Japanese reading three books. It, it takes time to be fluent in things. And so you slow down and you sit with it. And this is where people, I think, get stuck or, or hit a roadblock in personal development is they don't sit with the discomfort long enough. And every time we do that, we're reinforcing an abandonment wound. We're reinforcing an I'm not enough wound. We've got to learn how to sit with the discomfort, have compassion with for ourselves, parent ourselves so that the, the little hurt parts of us start to believe, oh, we're doing it a different way now. Yeah. Because when they start to believe that, then they stop sabotaging us so much. Right. Quick tactical question to you. So <laughs> I think you said something there, recognize that voice or recognize that thought. I think there's, how do you do that? And the reason why I ask that is because I don't think a lot of us or a lot of people separate that thought. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that until for me, the only thing that has worked for me is meditation. Yeah. When I sit there and you can kind of be the observer and can kind of recognize those thoughts. Mm -hmm. So that worked for me because too often, and once again, not to go into the story, but when I fell into the depths of my depression, I realized that. I was a happy-go-lucky dude, but it just started with one thought a day. You're a piece of shit. You're a fucking nothing. You're a nobody. Your wife's going to leave you. Then it started to two days, then three days, then a week, mm -hmm. then a month, then two months out of the year, six months out of the year. And then it just slid down. And I never recognized those thoughts. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to do that. So mm -hmm. is there another tactical way or how, to, how would you mm -hmm. recommend? Because I think that's the first part is that awareness. Yeah. And so many times, especially nowadays where it's like, go, go, go. You got the phone here and this, that. Yeah. You're never, you never bored. You never sit with the thought. So how do you slowly start to separate and recognize and kind of be that observer? Yeah. What are some like tactical ways that you can? Yeah. It, it's like, that's why I use the language and metaphor analogy. I was getting confused it, because it's very similar. It takes practice. So there's, there's a couple ways to do it. One, start paying more attention to your body. The body always is giving us clues. So your breath, your energy level, your uh, sleepiness level, where you're holding tightness or constriction, that usually means you're in a pattern of negative thinking or self-critical thinking or sabotaging thinking. So pay more attention to your body and set the intention every day to be an observer, to really listen. One thing that um, I did when I was really working on this is maybe this is because I worked in Hollywood. I imagined that I had a reality crew mm -hmm. filming me and they could also hear my thoughts. Mm. That was part of the show. Okay. So like anything that I was thinking or saying was going to be broadcast to whoever was watching the reality show. For some reason that worked for me because it, it again, gave me that different level of awareness. Another tactical thing that you can do is every morning or every evening, or at the very least every evening, do, I call it release writing. And it's basically a mind dump where you let the shitty voices and the scary thoughts and all of that out. So 
you get a piece of paper and you write as fast as you can. So it's not going to be legible because you're writing as your thoughts are coming out. You know, I'm a piece of shit because I can't believe I did this. Da, da, da. Like, yeah. And you just let yourself go through that voice of negativity or self-loathing or, or anger or piss off at somebody else, whatever it is, and then you rip it up or burn it. And that's a good way to start giving those more negative, sabotaging parts of you an outlet. It's like, it's like emptying the trash, right? So those are just a few ways you can do it. But the biggest part is, oh, let me give one more way. So this is a little more advanced, and this is something that I teach in my workshops. So it's based on gestalt therapy, and I call it the empty chair process. And you can literally set up two chairs across from each other, and you're going to be sitting in both chairs. So in one chair is you, and the other chair could be, let's say, your inner critic. And you start as you, so you're facing each other in the chairs, and you start as you, and you say, okay, inner critic. I want to have a conversation with you. I want to know what you have to say. Like, let's, let me have it. Let, let me hear it. And then you, you keep your eyes closed. You move to the other chair and you let the inner critic speak. And then you just have this dialogue back and forth between you and this aspect of you. You can also do it with you and younger parts of you. So again, it's, it's like parts therapy in, in so many ways. And that works really well too, because when you actually do the empty chair process, especially for people that are more experiential kinesthetic learners, mm-hmm. and they have this conversation with the part, they really start realizing it's an aspect. It's like, a, it's a part. It's not their entire being. And by being able to have this conversation with it and eventually getting to a point where you learn how to work with it rather than fighting the whole time, because you try to criticize an inner critic, good luck. It's not going to change. Right. Doing that, that kind of parts therapy also starts to help separate and give us perspective. So were those helpful? Yeah, for sure. And I think that, that um, going from chair to chair, that for me, that makes me think like putting separation. Yes. Because you're physically moving. And I think that's probably what you're getting at too with the yes. body is that when, I'm, when you're using your body because – so that's really interesting. I think I'm going to use that because I just try to do this, wake up at four o'clock in the morning where it's totally quiet and kind of sit still, which does work. But like I said, sometimes it just doesn't work fully. So I think having that yeah. separation or using that body more yeah. in the process, I think that could really, really help. I haven't heard that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I never answered your question about you know how you work on inner child wounding in your relationship. And this yeah. is huge. And um this is something we teach in our inner child workshop as well, because, you know, we, (laughs) we tend to date and marry people that are similar to our parents until we, you know, do a lot of healing, but still in, in our most intimate relationships, our familial stuff will come up. And so relationships become either incredibly triggering and rewounding, or they can be deeply healing. So number one, you know, inner child work always begins within ourself. Your partner cannot save or fix your wounded inner child, but they can hold a really safe space for it. So, you know, when, when my husband and I came together, we had like that, you know, three month oxytocin bliss. Nothing's wrong with this person. Oh my God. We both done so much work. Like, oh, we were so spiritually arrogant. (laughs) And then um, we, we got married very quick, legally married very quickly after we met. Um, we knew we wanted to get married, but we had to get married quickly because he's Australian and we didn't want to be apart. So we get married and then, oh my gosh, I was about to get divorced like a week later oh, no. because all of our stuff came up mostly. Our, and we had both done a lot of work, but again, 
a relationship is a container for growth. And, it, you know, when one has struggles in the relationship, that doesn't mean the relationship is wrong or bad or you should leave. Now, dysfunctional, toxic, abusive, yes, but any relationship is going to have stuff. So my inner child was starting to feel smothered because that was something that was big for me, codependence, enmeshment, those kinds of things. Not with my dad, but more with my mom. And his inner child was so afraid of rejection and abandonment that he got from his dad that he either smothered or totally pulled away. Mm -hmm. So when he smothered, it would trigger my mother wound. And when he pulled away, it would trigger my father wound. And, you know, I won't speak for his wounds. I'll just speak on mine. And, you know, luckily, again, done enough work to kind of know what was happening. And so I was able to say to him, I have, I'm working with really allowing you in. When I let someone in, in the past, it didn't go so well for me because I lost myself. And so I feel this part of me that wants to let you in, but is also terrified. We're terrified of love. We really are. As much as we want it, really, really, I know, really being seen, like really being seen and really being heard. We say we want it, but when it's right there in front of us, it's like, oh God, oh no, you're really going to see me? Wait, hold on. Let me put on this mask and let me do this thing. And don't look over there. And you know, it's, it, it can feel just, and but that's, that's how powerful love is, right? But since we've been so disconnected from real unconditional love for so long, it, when it finally comes in, it's overwhelming. So being able to communicate, all right, this is what's happening. It's not you. It's really my wounding. And so what I need from you is, you know, fill in the blank and really explaining what I need because we tend to love in the way that we need to be loved, mm. not in the way the other person needs to be loved. Yes. So my husband can't really love me the way he needs to be loved because that's not going to work for me. He has to learn how to love me the way I need and mm-hmm. vice versa. And because we're aware of each other's inner child stuff, we're able to, you know, be, be a container, like be a safe space for us to heal that. So even with your wife saying something like, hey, I'm really working through being hard on myself. So when you notice that I say a sarcastic, self-deprecating comment, can you lightly touch me on the arm and say, honey, can you try saying that again? Can you just help me break that habit, break that pattern? So that's like an example of an easy request you can make. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Um, On that same vein, what's one thing that you've done for your husband? Because I don't want you to speak for him. What's one thing that you've done for your husband to allow him to take off some of those masks. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we, he speaks openly about this. So when we first got together, I was at a much different place career wise and financially than he was. And that was very difficult, especially for a man. And I, you know, you know, being the coach and also the business coach I am, there was the temptation to get in there and be like, do this, do that. But that was more coming from my own fear of like, oh, am I going to have to be the only breadwinner? Like, am I getting, it wasn't like he wasn't contributing, but it was (laughs) substantially different, right? And, but I also knew that he had such an abusive father who never believed in him, who never was positive. He just didn't have anyone ever really supporting him. He had to do it on his own. And so what I gave him was unconditional love and support and encouragement. 
And I believe in you and I know you got this. And I didn't swoop in and intervene. Sometimes he'd ask me for advice and I give it to him. But I just knew that if it, 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 I could see his passion, you know, it wasn't like he was this coat tailor, like he had no skills. He had, he was very, very gifted, but because of his own self-worth and his own um, inner father, who was very hard on himself, he was stunting his own growth. So I just really held the space for him, but really for his little boy of like, I believe in you and you got this and I got your back and yeah, go try that and go try that and you can do this. And that's it. I just loved him. And he is like thriving. Like what he's accomplished in the last three years is, is unbelievable. And again, he was doing his own work with his inner child. But for me, I couldn't allow my wounded inner child who was afraid about, well, are my needs going to be met? Am I going to be safe? To start intervening and start trying to control because that's what my wounded inner child does when she feels like she doesn't have certainty is she goes in and tries to control every aspect of the, you know, every aspect of things. So I was able to not control and just back off and be like, I believe in you. I mm-hmm. really believe in you and I'm here. Regardless of what you believe or whatnot, but there's something I said in the very beginning that somebody recommended you to me. And I got to be honest, I know that our talk here is going to help a lot of people listening, but it's almost a spitting image of what's happening right now in my life. (laughs) Because when my wife and I got together financially, I was way up here. She's way down here. Now those tables have turned Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what's going on. So Mm -hmm. um, if nobody nobody knows you or DMs you from this, from this um, podcast, at least I can tell you that that helped me out a lot. That was Oh. interesting the way the the universe or god or whatever you want to call it kind of puts in your um in your path so yeah sharing that yeah no it's my pleasure and thank you so much for sharing that it gives me goosebumps you know and this just shows like we're all connected yeah. and this is what all of us deeply want you know we want to be seen and i really acknowledge you for being vulnerable and having a vulnerable conversation with me because then we can connect at a much deeper level than just talking about, you know, more surface level biographical kind of things. And it takes great courage to be seen. I'm such a fan of Brene Brown's work about how, you know, she really talks about how vulnerability is, is deeply courageous. And, and I want to just add something to vulnerability because I think a lot of people pressure themselves to be vulnerable and it is really important, Um, but it does have to be earned. I don't think vulnerability is something that we just need to dish out to anyone and everyone we come in contact with. Authenticity, yes. I think we can expect authenticity from ourselves and others. Great way to put that. Yeah, but especially for people that are just starting to open up, like vulnerability, you know, it does take time. Because I've, you know, coached several people who are like, I have trouble being vulnerable. I said, is that really true? Are you vulnerable with people that you're really close to? Yes. Does it take you a while to warm up? Yes. What's wrong with that? You know, and this is all, again, like understanding ourselves, understanding our inner child, being patient with ourselves, not putting pressure on ourselves. We just, we live in a world where we, our expectations of ourselves are so high. My last book was called, is called Expectation Hangover. And it's all about how to navigate and leverage disappointment and really heal from expectations not being met or life throwing us an unexpected curveball. Because, you know, so much, so much of our human suffering, you know, there's what's happened to us. And then there's how we relate to it for the rest of our lives. 
And oftentimes we try to compensate for our suffering by putting massive expectations on ourselves instead of really just being patient and loving and understanding with ourselves, which eventually does ease our suffering. And, you know, even now in in this massive climate of uncertainty, uh, I see just so many people really, really triggered. And from my point of view, the reason why is because all the inner child wounding is coming up. Uncertainty of any kind triggers inner child stuff because most of our biggest wounds from childhood came from a time when we felt unsafe, unheard, not seen, uncertain. We didn't know like the shoe dropped. That's when the most traumatic things, like all of a sudden things in our life changed. And, you know, with everybody being frightened from everything from their health to their finances to whatever it may be, I'm seeing a lot of inner child wounding come up and people don't know it's inner child wounding. And so they're just trying, they think it's just about the current situation, but I'm like, actually, no, the current situation is just triggering deeper issues that we need to bring our attention and awareness to. Well, my friend, well, my new friend, I could talk (laughs) forever and I would love to continue this, but I know we're running up on time. I do have two questions for you, but before I get there, let everybody know where they can find you and- you know, where are you at social media? Where's the next event? All that type of stuff. Oh, thank you. Well, if people enjoyed this conversation, I think they'd enjoy the podcast over it and on with it. And there's two episodes a week, but every Wednesday, which are the numbered episodes, like episode 262 or whatever, it's an unscripted, unedited, unproduced coaching session with me and someone that I don't know them at all. We just get on the phone and we go right into it. And then I explain what I did after. So I think people would learn a lot from that. Um, people, People really, really get a lot of their own therapy from that. And then my favorite um, social media platform is Instagram. And then if you go to christinehaster.com, you can also take my free coaching assessment. Nice. Well, I just have two last questions and they kind of just came up. One, you were just kind of touching on it with such uncertainty right now. You know, my heart goes out to people around the world. There's social anxiety, there's financial stress there's uncertainty, there's health, all this type of things. I know it's virtually impossible to give one piece of advice, but what's Mm -hmm. one maybe loving piece of advice and what's one tactical thing if you're feeling overwhelmed with the shit going on in the world, Mm -hmm. what's one tactical thing they can do right now to maybe just allow their shoulders just to release just at least a little bit to get through the thing. Yeah. No, it's a really, really challenge time. Um, and, you know, when there's not so much going on in the external world, it's easy to keep our coping and numbing strategies going. But since there's been so much chaos externally, even people's normal coping and numbing strategies aren't working anymore. So it's like, oh my God, what's this depression or anxiety or like eating disorder I all of a sudden have, or, you know, all of a sudden I'm drinking way more than I used to. So it's very common. Um, and, The first part, kind of going back to what I said, is use this time. And I know people are going to be like, but I have kids, I'm homeschooling, I'm working from home. But it doesn't take a lot, even if you dedicated 20 minutes a day, use this time to work on your own healing. So whether it's through therapy or a book or a course or something, this is triggering something deep inside of you. And, you know, people have asked me, how have you been through this? And I've actually been pretty well, actually. I'm an empath, so I feel the collective deeply. 
Like some days I'll wake up and I'm like, Ooh, everybody's sad today. Okay. I'm sad. Ooh, everybody's in fear today. Okay. Um, and I try to disconnect from that as much as I can because, you know, it doesn't do any good. Um, but because I've worked through a lot of my own, like so much of my own trauma and wounding, this isn't super, super scary for me. That doesn't make me better. That doesn't make me, you know, in any way isolated from it, but it makes me able to say doing the inner work definitely helps us manage the outer world. It absolutely 100% does because I don't know about you, but I can't go be president tomorrow. I can't change what's happening with the virus. Like I don't have that control, but I do have control about what's going on inside of me. So dive deep into personal development therapy. Anything that you feel will start to help you understand you better. And then just the the practical thing, I'm going to go back and use a tool I referred to earlier, which is the release writing. Because honestly, having that 10 minute at night, 10 minute in the morning, just dumping everything you're scared about, everything you're worried about, kids driving you crazy, money, like whatever, and burning it or ripping it up into little tiny pieces a day, well, one, it helps release from the, the subconscious mind because when we hand, can't type it, when we hand write, we're accessing a different part of our brain. Two, it's just cathartic. And three, the, the unconscious mind responds very well to ritual and ceremony. And there's something about burning or ripping things up that it's like, that's done. That's complete. I'm letting that go because we need an outlet. We're too much in our head. We're too stressed and, you know, we're watching way too much social media and TV. And so if you can like take 20 minutes that you're normally watching the news or scrolling through Instagram and split it up and do 10 minutes of release writing daily, you will notice a difference. Yeah. Well, you said you can't be president, but I may write you in on the ballot. <laughs> coming in. Um, and just the last question I have, for you personally, how do you build your self-worth? My, it, I don't have to. It, it is. And that's the amazing thing about all of us humans is like we weren't born like with a zero self-worth counter and then we have to like make our way up to a thousand or something. We were, we were like just being here makes us inherently worthy. Yeah. So I only don't feel worthy when I forget that I'm a spiritual being having a human experience and I forget that I'm no, no more or less worthy than you or anyone else. And that's such a relief to be like, oh, just yeah. like I breathe, I am worthy. That's awesome. Well, Christine, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the Overcoming You podcast. I truly do appreciate it. You are extremely um, talented and gifted in your field there because, like I said, if you don't get a DM or an email, which I know you will, um, I appreciate the time and I appreciate the um, the knowledge that you shared with us today. I really do. It's really my pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing and thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. Got it. All right, everybody. Remember, be kind to yourself. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Pure Spectrum CBD. Use promo code OCY at checkout. And until next time, remember, be kind to yourself.